Thank you. You can take your Bibles now. As we look together to the Word of God and turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus, the second chapter, and let's read that in its entirety. Alex, can you go out to my office and see if you can find my sermon notes on my desk? Thank you. Titus chapter 2. Let's read this responsively. I'll read the first verse and invite you to read every alternate verse thereafter. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, great, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be... Now I did it. <laughs> Number eight. Where am I? What verse am I? Nine. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Not For the grace of God that bringeth salvation have appeared to all men. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour Jesus Christ. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Dear God, thank you for your revelation to us in the Bible. God, and we pray now that you would help us in our hearts and our minds as we consider what you've said to us here in this chapter of the Bible. Thank you for the opportunity to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
So, in case you think I'm out to get you, let me tell you how I try to uh, decide what to preach on, because after all, there are 31,000 plus verses in the Bible, right? So, there's, there's quite a lot to choose from, and um, I think there's got to be a better way than the, um, what's that game where you blindfold yourself and you try and put the... What's it called? The donkey's tail? Got to be a better way than that to, than to, to choose a sermon, right? <coughs> so I say, now, Jesus, what do you want me to preach on? Do you want me to preach from the Old Testament or the New Testament? New Testament. Okay, New Testament. Do you want me to preach from the Gospels or the Epistles? Epistles. Okay. Do you want me to teach from... How the epistles go, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then all the T's and so on and so forth, Hebrews, whatever all else is in there, Jude's in there somewhere, Philemon and Revelation, Titus, okay, well let's take a look and see what we're going to preach on in Titus, so in other words, um, I believe with God's help and by His mercy, God's led me to Titus chapter 2. So if I totally mess up this sermon, I pray that the Holy Spirit could do something in your heart simply by virtue of the fact that we're roughly out of the 31,000 verses in the Bible, we're in the right place for today, Amen. the last Sunday of 2019. Now, we read Titus chapter 2 together. Did anybody notice a, a common theme in Titus chapter 2? Yes, yeah, that's, that's one different categories of people. It's kind of like discipleship, isn't it? Older people teaching younger people, people further along in the journey, passing on a little bit of people, to people that are starting in the journey or people that have had experiences, whether it's raising children, teaching the people that are just learning to raise children and so on and so forth. That would be one. Yeah, it's a good observation. Anything else? Yeah, so it's sobriety, which is kind of like an archaic word. It's got nothing to do in, uh, with not drinking alcohol or drinking too much alcohol. Um, the modern translations have here, they use the term self-control. And if you look in uh, verse 2, here Paul is writing to Titus as, as a young pastor and Paul is telling him, this is what you have to teach to all classes of individuals. First of all, to the, to the older men, it says to be, at least pointed out, it uses the word sober. Here, for example, in the Amplified, it says, urge the older men to be temperate, venerable, serious, sensible, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness. How about in verse 3? To, I wonder what needs to be taught to Older women, um, again, I'll read from my Amplified. Uh, older women, similarly, to be reverent and devout in their deportment, as becomes those engaged in sacred service, not slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to give good counsel and be teachers of what is right and noble. Now, this doesn't use, um, in verse 3, the word self-controlled, but it's implied here too, not given to much wine. You know, there's some kind of self-control there. Now, I don't know if this is referring to alcoholic wine. Um, I always wonder about that because I was like, isn't that obvious, you know, already? 
Or I wonder if it's uh, pertaining to non-alcoholic wine, which is the grape juice, which was like a really indulgent luxury, you know, basically pop. Right? So whatever it is, they might not use the term self-control here, but it, it's calling the older women to a lifestyle that involves self-control. Verse 4, they're going to teach the younger women, and it's there explicitly this time. Once again, it says sober, or it says you're sober of mind, temperate, disciplined, in my amplified version. And then again, to the young men, that they be sober-minded. Uh, younger men to be self-restrained, the amplifier says, to be, behave prudently. In fact, the only class of people that kind of wriggle their way out of this one is the slaves. Why do you think that is? Slaves are blessed because their decisions have been taken away from them and their lives is under the control and dictate of someone else. Do you know that you were blessed when you were a child? Because you had to ask permission for everything. Can I get a snack? Nope. Okay. But when you got to 16 or so and your mom and dad were sick and fed up of fixing snacks for you, they were like, look, just go take care of yourself. You know where the fridge is. And after that, you weren't under anyone else's control. Wow. There's something there, isn't there? Slaves. They didn't have to be told that because they were under someone else's control. They were blessed. Will we be blessed to be a slave of Jesus Christ? Will we be blessed to be literal children of the Lord? Daddy, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I have this? Can I have... No, okay, that's cool. Yeah, okay, cool. Thank you, Daddy. Praise God. Slaves didn't have to be told. So we figured out the common theme, right? It's self-control. Now I told you before, I don't have any axes to grind or not try to ruin your weekend with this last sermon of the year. But I feel like this is where God has led me to, our word for today. Um, whether we like it or not, Right here, Paul telling a young pastor what is the centrality of the message of the Spirit and what is to be taught to all classes of Christian people? Self-control. Wow. Does that sound like pretty up-to-date? Amen. Pretty up-to-date. Does that sound like the kind of thing that's in all the modern songs? Oh, your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. We love your presence, Lord. Do you know what that's saying? We love warm fuzzies. Give us warm fuzzies, God. We really like that. And God's like, really? <laughs> Who are you worshipping? Are you worshipping me? Or are you worshipping a feeling that you want? This message is right up to date because the Spirit of God has not changed. Has not changed at all. And... Um, so, however, um, in saying that, I need to clear the deck regarding the, uh, uh, the, the subject of self-control. 
And the reason why I have to clear the deck is because um, there's, there's some baggage. Even when I, when I announce ahead of time, I want to get into the subject right here. There's every, straight away, we're all projecting in our mind, right? Some people are thinking to themselves, self-control, yay, bring on, whoa, you know? They're like, kind of like the gung-ho kinds that are like, yay, I can do it, I'm disciplined, I love to hear messages on self-control, this is just what I need, this is encouraging, thank you Pastor Nicky. Some people are self-reliant, self-confident, insensitive to their own failures, liberal with themselves. That's why they think they have this down pat. Yeah, I'm good at this. Yeah, I want to hear more of this. Yeah. They think they have this down pat when really, if God was to knock on their door, They'd found out that they'd excused themselves in all sorts of areas. So that's the first category of people. I want to clear the deck for the gung-ho people that are like, yes, a message on self-control. I love messages on self-control. You're deceived. Second category of people, the people are like, oh, no, not a message on self-control. They're broken. They're sensitive to their own failures. They see themselves as more of a failure. They feel like they have tried in the past and failed so many times that it's not even possible. You're deceived. Both of these categories that I mentioned, they're deceived. The truth is that not one of us can do this. in and of ourselves. But as we give ourselves to the Lord, He is doing a work. He's doing a work in us to break us of all self-reliance, to create in us God-reliance, and through that, we turn to him more, depend upon him more, and uh, are actually, whether you know it or not, becoming more and more self-controlled. Now, I'm, I want to talk about this very English term in a second as well, but I'll stick with this term right now, self-controlled. God's doing a work, and you may not realize it, but as you trust him, as you allow him, as you just allow him, just be willing when he nails something, just be willing to say, yes, God, let's just, you are actually becoming more and more self-controlled. And it is God who's doing the work as you just let him. Um, it's sanctification is the Lord's work. He said, I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Our part is simply to give ourselves unreservedly to him and be open to him dealing with us and always be willing to repent. 
Hebrews 2.11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified or are being sanctified, that's us in God, right? The sanctifier and those who are being sanctified, they are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So, so those were two um, qualifications uh, regarding even bringing up the subject of, of self-control. I've got a couple other um, qualifications I, I want to make. Um, here is a lie from the pit of hell. Self-control is a boring, negative message. That's a lie. Self-control is freedom. Holiness is happiness. When self is out of control, you are not living the life that you want to live. The spirit man in you, the new man, when, you're, when self is out of control, you're miserable. That, I'm not talking about general or long term, but that moment is a miserable moment. You're not living the life that the, the, the renewed man within you wants to live. You're bound. You're not free. And that, of course, is the irony of the kingdom of God, is that slavery is freedom. Um, the kingdom is upside down from the world, of course. So altogether, just exposing that lie that this is a, a negative, boring message, um, this is a very positive message. Um, this, is, uh, this is the prosperity gospel now. <laughs> that as we become more bound to the Spirit of God, as we become, uh, become in greater and greater degrees slaves to the Spirit of God, we become more and more free and happy. Now, um, so we'll get that one out of the way. We've dealt with the different categories of people, the gung-ho people and the kind of broken people. We dealt with this issue of self-control being a born negative message. Well, I want to say this as well. This word self-control, okay, semantics now, we're dealing with word, word meanings and stuff. I, this word self-control um, is kind of like a funny word in, in English here, a funny term in English, um, because it actually defies, uh, we're talking theology now, talking anthropology now, you know, your view and study of God, your view and study of man. Um, the term self-control defies both the secular worldview and the Christian worldview. Have you ever thought about that? I'll show you, okay? The word self-control defies the secular worldview because the secular worldview holds that the whole of man is controlled by his mind. Okay? This, the, the secular worldview does not acknowledge uh, our, our body and our soul or, and including mind and spirit. It doesn't, it doesn't acknowledge a trichotomy in our, in our being, the secular worldview, Okay? So if the secular world wants to 
use the term self-control, if the person's self is not controlling them, then what is? And since your worldview acknowledges that there is no other faculty or function that controls us other than your mind, then you guys just shot yourself in your foot and you got some explaining to do. See what I'm saying? So the term self-control um, defies both the um, secular worldview. You know, kind of Paul nailed it pretty well. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it's good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but I do not... But I, oh, where am I? Sorry. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Anybody else ever struggled with the same issue coming up again and again and again for the last 20 years? Okay, well, I'll admit it then. <laughs> I do. <clears throat> for... For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I, when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being, my new man, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. <clears throat> the term self-control um, it defies the secular worldview, even though they talk about self-control. Um, but actually, when you think about it, it also defies the Christian worldview. Because in the Christian worldview, self is a bad thing. So why would you want to have self-control? Self-reliance is bad. Self-confidence is bad. All these things are supposed to being replaced by God. God-confidence. God reliance. You see what I'm saying? So we have this thing in Christianity where we, we're, we're, we're trying to achieve um, a fruitful life using the same means and mechanisms as the world, which is, which is by a, a kind of, kind of white-knuckling it kind of um, self-discipline. Self-discipline is simply a straining of the flesh and nothing else. But even if we're to achieve our goals of self-discipline in that way, we're actually no further forward because we used self to achieve a spiritual goal. And if you use self to try and achieve a spiritual goal, you actually become less spiritual because you may have gotten up early enough to go to the gym for the last six months or um, turn down that second donut or fill in the blank for what your idea of self-discipline is. But in achieving that goal, you just became more proud, more self-reliant, more judgmental of other people who are 
not doing those things. So where's the fruit in that? You can't control self with self. That's why I suggest the term self-control. I mean, we all know what it stands for today, but the semantics of the term itself seems to um, contradict itself. Um, I like to propose a better term, <clears throat> spirit-controlled. Spirit-controlled. If we are spirit-controlled, then we are under contr the control of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. We do not regret our decisions. We do the things that a renewed man really does want us to do. And we are undeceived. A lack of control, self-control, I'm using that kind of term that I've already said I'm kind of wonder about, but we'll use it anyway because we all know kind of what it stands for. A lack of self-control is, uh, in the spiritual walk, simply deception, isn't it? It's deception. Every time we make decisions we regret is because we allowed ourselves to be deceived. We reached out and we took something that we thought we wanted. Again, fill in the blank. Whether it was another hour in bed, a second donut, another helping, all these things. But we were deceived by our desires. We were deceived by what we wanted or what we thought we wanted. And when we got the thing that we thought we wanted... We turned around and we're like, you know what? That second donut's kind of making me a little bit... feel kind of a bit gross. I wish I'd never eaten that second donut. I would have been a lot happier if I hadn't eaten that second donut. You see what I mean? A lack of self-control is simply deception. And the only thing that can break deception is the Spirit of God just renewing our mind is us coming to a place, a greater place of brokenness and God-reliance where we literally are like little children that can do nothing and have to ask Daddy for every decision, every moral judgment and permission on everything. Slaves to the nth degree, walking and flying in a place of freedom. Does that make sense? Amen. So, right here in Titus, right here where an apostle instructs a pastor, what are you going to teach Christian people? He's like, self-control, 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 self-control. Now, it's... It's as daunting to preach this as it is to listen to it because all of us face this challenge together. The challenge to hold on to the Spirit of God in everything to find a place of total freedom. And we should not fear failure. We shouldn't try and erase it out of our Bibles or claim it's not part of Christianity today. Because all of us have failed. All of us have failed multiple times in this area. That's okay. 
This is the PhD of spirit-filled living. Few people ever that have walked the face of the earth have come to a high degree, I believe, of spirit control, whether it's over their tongue, the words that they say, whether it's over their bodily appetites. Few people have ever reached the upper heights in this area. But it doesn't stop the fact that God's calling us to it. And if we'll just uh, not erase it out of our Bibles and let him deal with us, he'll guide us on step by step into a place where we are progressively less deceived. Amen. Dear God, thank you for this beautiful thing, spirit control. And we hear your call, God, to be beautiful people conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for the opportunity that you invite us to and to the adventure, this side of heaven, of walking that path. Lord, we just cast out any guilt, any fear, and any lies regarding this area that the devil's put on us or that we've swallowed. And we say thank you, God, for being beautiful. Thank you for inviting us to be beautiful. We're keeping on coming after you. In Jesus' name, amen.